Welcome to Mindset Meets Mastery with Arlene Gale. We're talking about the stories we tell ourselves, the mindsets, myths, and misinformation that can hold us back, and then turning our focus to action steps that bring about success mastery in business and life. The goals are to define success on our own terms and to master that success without excuses or apologies. everybody. Welcome, 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 welcome. I am so glad you joined us today because I have an extra special guest. But before we introduce my guest today, I want to talk to you a little bit to set up the topic. Um, Now, mainly talking to ladies, but man, you probably can relate to some of these examples I'm ready to give. But ladies, imagine this or think about when was the last time you got up and you looked in the mirror and you went, Ah, what happened? Why is gravity no longer my friend? <laughs> you know, and have you ever tried getting out and out of bed in the morning and you just, you know, the spirit is willing, but the body, yeah, not so much. <laughs> or I love this one when I go to networking meetings and somebody says, so Arlene, what do you do? And I tell them what I do and they look at me. Now, there's no discussion about age or anything else, which is concerning because the next thing out of some of their mouths is, so when do you think you'll retire? (laughs) It's like, that's just rude. But anyway, um, I want to tell you a funny story real quick about age And what happened when I was probably more than half of the age that I am right now, when I really, you know, back in those days when I didn't really give much thought to age, because age was just a number, right? It was my first glimpse of how people view age, age, different milestones in age differently. So I was a Girl Scout leader. I was married and I had no kids of my own. And I wanted to make a difference in the community. So I just had this bright idea that I would go and be a leader for a bunch of cute little eight-year-olds. It sounded like a good idea. Then one of the girls came up to me one afternoon and said, ma'am, which, you know, ma'am, how old are you? Well, I didn't think much about it. And I thought I'd be honest with her. So I told her, I'm 25. And her eyes got wide and her chin almost hit the floor. And I watched her a little concerned until she recovered. And she said to me, wow, I didn't know people lived that long. (laughs) Of course, then it was my turn for my eyes to get wide and my chin to hit the ground. And I had a quicker recovery than she did. And I said, how old do you think your parents are? She said, I don't know. I said, well, I have a great idea. Why don't you have this discussion with them at the dinner table tonight? I never heard anything about it after that. So, you know, I, I, but I thought if the little darling was going to harass me about my age, the least she could do is do the same thing with her mother. Right. Um, But this is when I realized, you know, age is just a number, right? Well, not necessarily because depending on what end of the spectrum we're in, We see it differently. But I also started thinking about, you know, there's no sense worrying about this number because it doesn't devalue or value me. It doesn't say anything about my willingness to work or my work ethic. It's a mindset, right? 
age is a mindset. At least that's my opinion. So I've said all of this to introduce you to my expert guest today. And maybe she'll agree or disagree with me about age being a myth because her target market is women over 50 years old. And she has a unique perspective on working with this age group of talented women. So Gail Carson is my guest today. And to know Gail is to love her. She has the fabulous sense of humor, a top grade a plus work ethic and personality. I mean, I cannot just, I cannot say enough great things about as about Gail Carson. You are in for a real treat. But before I say too much, I want to tell you that Gail Carson is a self-professed SOB. <laughs> now, 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 before anybody starts yelling at the radio, because Arlene, that's just rude. That's wrong. How can you call her a special guest and call her an SOB? So stop, time out. Remember, I said she calls herself an SOB. So let me introduce Gail, and maybe the first question we'll ask her is why she calls herself an SOB. But Gail Carson is affectionately known as Dr. Gail, the SOB. She has spoken and worked in 50 countries and 49 states. And yes, we're going to ask her which state was the holdout and couldn't give her a perfect 50 by inviting her in. She is a speaker, she is, she is a coach, a consultant, a writer, and she does about 12 or more radio shows a month. She's worked with thousands of clients in, in 50 industries. She's written five books along with creating many CDs and DVDs. Dr. Gail Carson is the leading authority on working with women 50 plus. She has cre created multiple career-related courses for this target market. Dr. Carson is also the only woman in the world, and let me repeat that because this is big. She is the only woman in the world with a doctorate and a certified speaking professional certification and a certified management consultant, and she is an FIMC, which is a fellow in the Institute of Management Consultants. So please help me welcome my overachieving friend and guest, Dr. Gail Carson. Hello, Gail. Hey, Arlene. How are you doing? <laughs> I am great. Thank you so much for your time here today. Um, so let's get started. What is an SOB and what on earth would drive you to call yourself that? Well, an SOB in my terms is a spunky old broad, and that's exactly what I am. And uh, I was, I thought, well, you know, I need something that takes me out of the pack and really tells who I am. And that's how the Spunky Old Broad came about. So you know, that's just, it's a fabulous brand. It certainly does get attention, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And it's all trademarked. So that's good. Oh, yay. Good for you. So tell us, how does being a Spunky Old Broad and SOB play out in your world, in your career? Well, first of all, it, it stops people and they want to know where did it start and how did I begin and all of those good things. But at this point in my life, it really shows people that age is not an issue. It's what you want to achieve, who you are. And I think you mentioned it in your opening and that's mindset. Mindset is what it's all about. And if you have the right mindset, it doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, what is it that... Um, Grandma Moses started painting at, what, 78 or something, and uh, other people have not written books until they're in their 80s, and 
you know, taking a, a guy, what about Colonel Sanders? I mean, his recipe didn't happen until he was over 65. So yeah, age is not an issue if you have the right mindset. So what you're saying is that those people that are still at the 50 end of that, they got plenty of time, right? To do things plenty that they've always time. wanted to do. Absolutely. Plenty of time. So we know where you are now and what we can call you now. Where did your journey in business begin? How did it begin? Oh, wow. Well, I started, I actually was in business at 21. I finished school, high, uh, college at 20 and uh, decided that I wanted to live in either Miami or LA because those are the only two warm places I knew. And Miami was closer. Um, and so I came to Miami and gave myself two weeks to make it. And if I didn't make it in two weeks, I was going to move to LA. But I got the job I wanted. And eight months later, I bought the business. And so I was 21 years old and started in business at that point. So it was one business that you started. Were you a, were you by yourself or did you have people that ran that business with oh, you? Or? I was by myself. It was a modeling school. And mm -hmm. then I turned it into a chain of career schools. And I had a talent agency that was SAG and AFTRA. And then I had a convention service company where we uh, did theme parties and tours and programs for the conventions that came to South Florida. So I ended up at the end of 20 years with, with seven offices and 350 people, which I never want to do again. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what happened there. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of work. So you grew that business and what was next for you? By speaking, by speaking. Mm -hmm. I actually grew up by speaking. And uh, I booked speakers because I had the convention service company. And mm -hmm. one of the people I booked was uh, Bill Gove, who was the founder of the National Speaker, well, the first president of the National Speakers Association, and also Sam Edwards, who was a CPAE. And both of them told me that I was a better speaker than they were, and I needed to join NSA. And I thought, well, I don't have time for this. And they were after me for three years. And then finally, when I went to NSA for my first convention and realized that I could make a living at it, I came home, I put my business up for sale. I sold it over a weekend, believe it or not, and uh, went into the speaking wow. business. <laughs> so what did you speak on? Well, at that time, I spoke on leadership and team building and customer service because those were all the things I did in my business. And uh, so it was really all management, uh, leadership, uh, uh, you know, frontline kind of things that people needed to, to make their businesses work. Okay, so how from that point, starting to speak, you know, professionally, how do you go from that to fine tuning your target market with an interest in working with women over 50, 50 and over? Well, I did the speaking for 20 some years. And so I was, as you said, in 50 countries, 49 states, and I, I got paid very well, but I didn't feel like I was having an impact. I felt like, yeah, they paid me well and they listened to what I had to say and they liked me and they referred me, but nothing changed. Uh, they kept doing business the way they were doing it. So I decided I really didn't want to do that again after 20 years, plus my husband got sick. And so I switched over to, um, uh, you know, working with women 50 plus. And also I had always been doing radio. So uh, the radio shows were a part of that as well. And uh, that's what happened. 
Cool. So let's go back to the 49 states because inquiring minds want to know what happened. Who was the 50th? The holdout. The 50th was North Dakota. And I couldn't even get them to pay me a buck so I could say I have been paid to speak in all 50 states. But no, North Dakota still has eluded me. Okay, so anybody out there who's got a contact in North Dakota that needs to do a Zoom call or a webinar with Dr. Gail Carson, you'll get you'll figure out how to get a hold of her. Let's get her to that 50th state. Go, Gail, go. Exactly. So let's see what we can do about that. That's crazy. We need to fix that. So um, as you progress through your your age and your careers and continue to work and continue to work, did anybody ever ask you the question about, so are you ever going to retire? Oh, all the time. Uh, and of course, the answer is never. You know, I mean, you retire because either you have to because you're working for corporate America and there's a policy or because you don't like what you're doing. But if you enjoy what you are doing, you probably will never retire because, you know, it gives you something to do. You are invigorated by it and you are are happy you're, you're contributing. Well, and, and I find that when you're working for yourself and you're living your passion, working your passion, that it is easier. And also you do have control of how hard and how many hours you work. Sometimes it gets away from me and I work a lot more hours than I want to, but I still love what I do. Do you ever find that happening to you? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, being especially now where we're all kind of self-isolating, I mean, I work seven days a week. Now, I, I can or cannot do that, but I find that I like going into my office. I like producing. I like creating. So uh, if I decide I don't want to do it, I have that option as well. But you'll find me in the office seven days a week. <laughs> so you have like 12 or 15 radio programs and podcasts you do a week. Can you tell us about some of those? Well, actually, I do 12 radio shows a month. Those a month, a month. Yeah, I'm sorry. Podcasts. And there are three different genres. One is uh, women in business, where I interview women who have their own business or are senior managers. One is living regret-free, where I interview men or women who can show you how to live a better life. And that could be through uh, addiction or uh, maybe going through a, a better divorce or spirituality or whatever it happens to be. And then my third one is the SOB show, which is the woman uh, over 50 show. And then I have the SOB radio uh, network.com where I have women over 50 doing shows for women over 50. So um, it's really three, three totally different genres. So do these light bulb moments to create this, to meet this need of this audience, those just come to you? Are they planned or? No, actually, they're not planned. My Women in Business show, I had been doing for Entrepreneur Magazine. And when entrepreneurs sold their broadcasting division, uh, they stopped doing shows. Now they're back on. But at that point, um, I had been interviewing a lot of celebrities, and I just stopped. And so for about a year and a half, I did nothing. And then I was at a meeting, and everybody got up. And it was a meeting I shouldn't have been at, but I was. And everybody got up and introduced themselves. And a guy stood up and said he owned a radio station. And so I went up to him later and I said, are you looking for new talent? And of course, you know, they look at you like you've got three heads. And I, and he said, well, tell me, you know, a little bit about yourself. And I did. And so he gave me back my women in business show and it went to number one. 
So then he said, what else can you do? And I thought, well, you know, I'm all about people living a happy, joyous life. So what about living regret-free? And that went to number three. And then he said, well, what about doing a show for women over 50? Because he knew that was my passion. And I said, great. And then within the same day, he called me back and said, let's do a whole network. So that's how it happened. It, it, it happened because I went up and I said, are you interested? And then, of course, I did a good job. So it produced the other shows. That's awesome. So why women over 50 instead of women over 30 or women over 40 or women over 60? What was it about that magic number of 50 plus? Well, really, I took it from AARP, to be honest. Uh, that, was their, that was their cutoff was 50. And I thought, well, you know, it's hard when a woman turns 30. It's harder when a woman turns 40. But when she turns 50, it's a totally different ballgame. And they begin thinking, who am I? What have I accomplished? Uh, what is my purpose? What is the legacy I'm leaving? Um, is it too late? Should I make a change? I mean, there's all these thoughts that go through a woman's head. And so that's why I targeted at that particular point. Yeah, because women who are 50, you know, they might have spent the previous 20 years being a mom. And don't ask me how I know, but that's hard, that transition. <laughs> you know, I just sent my baby off to college. I'm, I'm an old mom. But, you know, when you volunteer at the school and in your community, and, you know, that's my passion is being around the kids. I mean, I could still volunteer if it weren't for that pesky COVID stuff, you know. Um, but when all of that goes away, it is hard to figure out what's next. What is my value? How do I take what I might know and turn it into a business? Do you, so that's what you're saying that other women go through. So you're saying I'm normal? <laughs> Arlene, aren't you happy to find out that you finally are normal? <laughs> well, you know what I say, normal is so overrated. <laughs> but yeah, so that, I mean, it is, it is a tough age because there are so many things changing for women. But how does the 50-year-old now, you know, you mentioned AARP, how does that age relate to the baby boomers? Well, there are, the baby boomers um, are, you know, and kind of, it's interesting because the baby boomers have raised kids that are, for lack of a better word, latchkey kids, you know, because they were busy working all the time. And so there's some part of the guilt. <laughs> There's also the fact that many of those kids, because of everything that's going on in the world, have come back to roost at home. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, I mean, there's just, and so a woman gets to that point and says, you know, where did the time go? What did I really accomplish? Uh, who am I really? Uh, am I a figment of my husband's uh, being? Uh, many are divorced or widowed. Mm -hmm. uh, did I you know, what can I do on my own now? There's just so many questions that they ask themselves and it's a tough time. Some people get through it smoothly, no problem. I didn't have a problem because I was always busy and I was always working and I was always creating. But there are a lot of people who, who have really dedicated themselves to one thing or another and then they get to a point and say, wait a minute, what is this all about? So, right. So, because I know that in, in my business, I help people write business building books. And in doing that, most of my client base is 50 and older, because what I find is they're leaving the corporate world. 
but they're too young to retire. They don't want to sit at home. They don't want to mow the lawn every day. I mean, they, and they feel, and they find that, you know, I still have a lot of life left in me and a lot to offer. And so they're, they're wanting to figure out how do they take what they know and they've done for the last 25 or 30 years and turn that into a business on their own. So when you're working with women, are you finding that more women at 50 and older are wanting to start different careers or businesses for the first time? Absolutely. I think that, uh, I think they look back on their corporate career and say, well, it was great. And, you know, there were some bad points and there were some good points, but I did it, been there, done that. And so, uh, yeah, they're, but they're trying to figure it out because what they did in their corporate career does not necessarily translate into what they want to do now. And so they're asking themselves, how do I take what I've learned in all those years and translate it into a business or even a hobby that is something that gives me passion? I mean, it might be uh, something to do with health and wellness. It might have something to do with baking and cooking and writing a cookbook. It could be anything that has to do with Golly, you know, uh, I, I did a lot of traveling in my corporate career. I can really talk about different countries and places to visit. So it takes on such a different shape. Uh, but And it takes a while for them to get started. And especially now, it's taking them even a longer time. But absolutely, I mean, I think many of them, some of them go into what they were doing. Uh, for example, if I was an HR professional, I might start an HR firm or something like that. But most people really go into something that's totally different. They may use their knowledge from the past, but they go into something totally different. Because there's also that segment of the population that I find that they stayed in this job because they had a spouse and they had children and they had house payments and car payments and blah, 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 blah. And they never really liked what they did. So right. now they've been kind of pushed out or let go or whatever. And so they have the freedom to be creative and finally at 50 decide this is what I want to do. But they do find it difficult, Arlene, because mm -hmm. they're not used to having to do everything themselves. I mean, mm -hmm. when you start out in business, you're chief cook and bottle washer. You empty mm -hmm. the trash, you, you, you do everything. You've got to do the sales. You've got to do the follow-up. You've got to do the admin. You've got to do uh, everything, the marketing. And so they're not used to that because they very often had either a secretary or somebody or they had a staff or they had a division that did something for them. So uh, it takes about six months of doing this. And then they look and say, wait a minute. What are all these other extra pieces that I've got to worry about? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that the word retirement has, for me at least, I don't know, you can tell me your opinion, has taken on such a negative connotation because retirement means I quit. <laughs> I'm not, you know, and I don't think it has to. You don't even necessarily have to have a job, but if you've got a volunteer passion, now you've got more time to do that. But, you know, and I think, you know, I loved Charles Schultz, the, the Peanuts, you know, cartoonist, and he retired to spend more time with his family. And I think it was weeks and he died. It's well, like, but that's the whole point. That's the whole point. You know, you've got to retire with a plan, whether it's a plan to be active in your community or whether it's a plan 
to um, volunteer at, at libraries or hospitals or a school, uh, you know, depending on the situation. But you have to have a plan. And most people think, well, you know, guys usually think, well, I'll go fishing and I'll go golfing. It's like my husband. He retired three times and he went fishing and uh, he went fishing every day. Never caught anything, but went fishing every day. And then he came back and he said, well, nobody wants to go fishing with me. I mean, his friends didn't want to go fishing. Some were still working. And he went back to work because he was absolutely bored out of his mind. So if you retire, I mean, and you think, well, I'm going to play golf every day. Well, you know, that gets old in a hurry, too. So it, it's having a plan of some sort. And it does make a big difference. And you're absolutely right. Many people who retire and don't have a plan do, unfortunately, die because there's nothing in their life to motivate them and keep them going. Kind of sad. Kind of sad. It is sad. You work that hard. You work that hard to have the financial freedom, and without a plan, I don't know. Anyway, let's pick the let's pick up the to a better note here. Okay, I have a question. I want to put you on the spot a little bit. So, one of your programs is living regret free. So, are you, Gail Carson, living regret free? Yes, and I have to tell you a very interesting story. Uh, I was part of a mastermind group. And uh, the leader was saying, there's no such thing as work-life balance. And I piped up and I said, I disagree. I think there is work-life balance, but it's changing all the time. So they put me in charge of leading a session on work-life balance. And then we ended up with our last call and everybody was supposed to tell, what do you put in your blue box? And the blue box was Tiffany's blue box. And that anything you put in that blue box, people would you know, admire because they would think it came from Tiffany's. Well, when it came to me, I had no idea what I would put in my blue box. And every single person in that mastermind group said, your blue box is how to live. Because I showed how my, my balance wheel of life and work changed from the time I was 21 to now and why it was a good life. And so, uh, yeah, I think I do live regret-free. I mean, that's there awesome. are certain things, you know, Arlene, there's certain things, you know, you say, I wish I had done that, I wish I'd done that, but nothing, nothing that makes me sad. Yeah. Yeah, and nothing that keeps you stuck looking back thinking woulda, coulda, shoulda. Exactly. So, you know, and you are very successful and you have, you are living regret free and the way you do, you live life with style and grace. That's my professional opinion, <laughs> you know, and you have a great sense of humor. Like I said earlier, you have a great work ethic um, and your mission in life is to make a difference. Right. So you make life look easy. <laughs> You know, that's my, that's my assessment. That's my charge. You are guilty of making life look easy. But I also know that it has not always been easy for you. No, it hasn't. I've lost a husband. I've lost a son. I'm going through now my fourth case of breast cancer. Uh, they, I had a renal scan last week. They found out that my right kidney is only working at 7%. So I've got to have a kidney surgery in a week and a half. Uh, no, there's, and I've had 16 surgeries on my chest. So no, life is not always easy, you know, but it's up here. It's mindset. It's how you look at life. It's how you approach things. It's how you 
internalize. And all of those things, um, for example, I have been self-isolated now for, I think it's 27 weeks because I can't go anywhere. And uh, people say, well, aren't you depressed? Because I live alone except for two cats, one of which is in my lap right now. And uh, I said, no, because every day I'm busy. I'm, I'm on Zoom calls. I do programs. I'm writing new things. I, uh, I, I have a very happy life. And I have people that are in touch with me. I'm in touch. For example, one of my friends from San Diego sent me a beautiful bouquet of flowers uh, Sunday because she wanted me to have something beautiful to look at and she wanted me to have uh, beauty in my life. I mean, how kind is that? So I've been very fortunate. I have good friends and uh, I keep myself occupied. That's, that's awesome because I think that people equate um, living regret free with it's easy and sometimes it's just not. No, it's not. It, you know, I, I guess I would say it's about the mindset and the choices we make to do whatever. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, uh, look, I haven't always made the best choices in life, and uh, but you, you can't regret them. You have to learn from them. So that's what I've done. I've looked at them and said, okay, what did I do? How did I screw up? How can I make it better? Uh, and even, you know, going back to my first business, you know, having that many people that you're responsible for and that you have to look after and you have to make sure that they're doing the job they're supposed to be doing. All of that <clears throat> taught me a lot, you know, as a very young person. And so, but I really, I really, I showed you how naive I was. I really didn't, I really didn't know I could fail. I mean, it just didn't even enter my head that I could fail. It was just push on ahead, you know, and that's really how, everything grew because I just didn't know I could fail. So were you taking risks and not really realizing you were taking risks? Yeah, absolutely. Even getting married was a risk. I mean, I married a man with two children. I got pregnant right away. So within 13 months of marriage, I had three children under the age of seven and a business to run. Uh, but we made it, you know, for 45 years. And, uh, you know, so, but I didn't, I, I knew it was a risk, but I thought, he's the best man I've ever met in my life. I know who he is. I know how he is. I know what he values. And so if I'm going to make it with anybody, it's going to be him. And, you know, I know that you can love a lot of people in your life, but you can't always like everybody in your life. And I knew that he was someone I could live with the rest of my life because of the kind of man he was. Oh. You know, and I, I have several friends who have lost husbands recently who've been married for 25, 35, 40 years, and, and they're really struggling. Um, do you have any words of wisdom for how do you move past when you've had that person so closely connected with you for so long? What do you do? I was very fortunate, Arlene, because I had a separate life from his. I traveled so much, and for example... I worked in Australia five times. He came with wow. me twice. And then he said, enough. You know, I worked in Asia many times. He came with me twice. Enough. He liked being home. So we had totally separate lives. Although when we came together, we had a blast. So when he passed away, it was very sad. But I could go on because I had a whole life that really didn't involve him. 
So even though it was difficult, uh, and I've never really considered remarrying because why? <laughs> I had the best. Why should I remarry? And I have everything I need. So why should I remarry? So I did not go through that same struggle. But for women who never worked, or for many women who had no idea of their finances, or I mean, mm -hmm. I didn't pay all the bills. So I knew what our financial structure was. You, those are the people who struggle, the ones who really didn't have something else there. Uh, then they begin to focus on their kids, which is good and bad, you know. So there's lots of things that go into it. Yeah. Yeah, it is a struggle. So let me ask you what, besides the podcast, what services do you offer people today? Well, the most important thing that I'm doing now is really working with people on the media. I show people how to get on television. I have a course on how to get on TV. It's all self-study, but it's really focused. And if they do what's in the course, they will understand how to get on TV. I teach people how to put segment proposals together. What are the hot media tips? You know, how to do podcasts, what people are looking for. Anything to do with the media, that's what I really am concentrating on now. I still work with Women 50 Plus. I'm doing a summit next month on finding love after 50. And I have my Living Life with Gusto and uh, Mindset Matter programs. Uh, those are all available as well online. That's awesome. So having been, you know, in this COVID quarantine or isolation or being a cat mom, whatever words you want to use for what we've been through the last few months, how has that changed your perspective on what you're doing and what kind of adjustments have you made with this time? Well, the interesting thing to me is that I, who travel four to five times a month, I'm perfectly happy not traveling. Now, I do have a home in San Diego and uh, Rancho Mirage area. So I don't want to, um, you know, I do want to get back out there. My son's out there. But uh, other than going there for the purpose of being there, uh, I don't really care if I travel that much anymore. I feel like um, we can do a lot of things through Zoom. I love my online courses. I like coaching. Uh, so that's what I'm going to concentrate on now. If someone wants me to do a presentation, uh, it better be a pretty good reason, or we can do it through Zoom. I mean, I think, you know, Zoom's going to be with us for the next year and a half, two years. I mean, we're not going back, no matter what anybody thinks, to where we were. And so that's what it's going to be the reality for the next year, a year and a half. I think so, too, because you said you're good at predictions, but I'm thinking so that, you know, it's so you don't have the hotel expenses, you don't have the airplane expenses, you know, you get on a three, three hour airplane ride from here to there, for example, but then you got to get to the airport an hour and a half early, you got to leave your house an hour early, by the time, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's a huge chunk of a day just to get someplace and then get back, and it's expensive, and I really, I think that a lot of organizations are going to realize that they can do this this way, well, it's already happening. I mean, we're seeing that uh, business spaces are vacant and uh, commercial real estate is taking a hit. Um, mm. Homes are not because people prefer to be in a home rather than in a high rise like I am. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's affecting so many things. And there are so many things coming down the pike that's going to change how we do business 
that the average person doesn't even know about yet with artificial intelligence and all the new um, uh, discoveries and, and even in medical, you know, cellular levels and new things. They're developing uh, skin, skin. Uh, that's like your real skin. I mean, there's just so much going on that, you know, it's going to change everything in the next 24 months. I, I agree. I agree. You heard it here first, everybody. I'm just saying. Um, so let's talk about, you know, one of the things, again, I think I've said this is that women who are 50, anybody over 50 and going through this transition or they have a personal or professional story to write. That, that's what I do when I'm not talking to people on Mindset Meets Mastery. I find that there are people who have a personal story that they can write in a book to help them become a speaker or to help them fund a nonprofit. Um, there's a variety of reasons for writing a personal story. And then there are people who want to start a business. And I work with them from starting the brand and figuring out what does that mean? What does that look like? And turning that into a book or writing the book and then working backwards. So there's so many great stories out there, and that's the goal that I try and work with people is to write a great book that's powerful and profitable and brings you some credibility because you've written several books, and you know it's not easy. It takes time. It takes money, focus, and blood, sweat, and tears, and maybe that's only a little exaggeration. What did you well, think, think about the book writing? Well, I think everybody's got a book inside them. It, it would take, you know, different in your perfect to, to pull it out of them because some people do it because they've got a cause or they have a, a something, a, a passion that they want other people to understand and, 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 and be part of. So I think everybody has a book in them and um, uh, whether that turns into a business or whether that is a brand or whether that is just simply who they become that's a different story, but I think everybody's got a book in them. Well, and I think people forget that, you know, if you're in business, you're an expert, right? And if you're in business to help people, you're an expert. They want to hire an expert. And people think, well, I just have processes and systems that, you know, I work with clients on. And they don't realize that something in their life has driven them to go here and focus on this. And that gives them tremendous credibility, um, and from the book, I mean, the book's just the beginning because you can do, you, you know, the online courses, CDs, DVDs, speeches. So anyway, that's my lecture, Arlene Gale, book writing business. <laughs> but I'm bumped. Anyway, but let's talk about what was the first book you wrote and why? Wow, going back, let me think. Um, I wrote one where I was part of an anthology. Uh, so I'm not going to count that. Nah. But my first one was um, How to Get to the Top and Stay There. Uh, it was called Winning Ways, and it was published by Berkeley Press. And um, I since bought the rights back to it, but it started in, and it's, it sold about 15,000 copies. And it got me speaking engagements. Um, in fact, I was in, I think it was either the Singapore airport or the Jakarta airport, one of them, but I know that my book was there and I, I was so excited because wow. here I was in Asia and my book was there. But uh, when a particular HR person, and there's only oil companies and banks in Jakarta at that time, um, saw that I was coming to Jakarta for the client that hired me and saw my book in the bookstore, 
she hired me for five events. Wow. And, and that was really something. Yeah. So um, that was my first one, Winning Ways, How to Get to the Top and Stay There. The power of writing a good book, a quality book that is consistent with your brand. So you, of course, you've written an SOB book. I did. It's called How to Be an SOB, A Spunky Old Broad Who Kicks Butt. And it's really a formula if you want to follow it, uh, if, you, if you do what I tell you, because I, I give a chapter and then I give lessons learned doing that chapter. And then I do what's called Gail's Tales. And it's how I implemented uh, and what happened to me in using that particular thing that I talked about in that chapter. So again, a great example of brand consistency. And you used this book you know, when you wrote this book, what was your plan for it? I really wanted it to be a uh, primer, if, if that's the word, for other women to follow if they felt like, you know, uh, it's, I'm, it's too late or I'm too old or uh, golly gee, all these things happen to me. Um, it, and I, that's why I put at the end of each chapter, Lessons Learned and Gail's Tales because I showed how I took what I wrote about and put it into real life. Yeah. And, and I think that's such a fabulous formula because it's a win for you and it's a win for the reader. Um, I would have coached you that exact same way. I'm just saying, <laughs> yay, Gail. So, um, but then you also, didn't you take the um, spunky old broad book and turn it into DVDs and other things too? Oh, yeah. I mean, I did CDs, but I did them on different things. I did them, for example, on fitness, because I'm kind of a fitness freak. So I, I did a whole thing on uh, the SOB workout. So I did kickboxing, weight training, and body bar. And then I did one on, um, uh, I think, on, on health and well-being. And then I did one, I mean, I did them on a variety of things, uh, not just on the book, but just different things in my life that I felt were important for women. That's awesome. So additional streams of income. Perfect. Right. Yes. Perfect. So tell my listeners where they can find you if they want to get more information about your books or more information about you and especially where North Dakota can hire you to do something there. <laughs> well, my actual website is spunkyobroad.com. My courses are at sobuniversity.com. We also have a store that features our products, and I've got T-shirts, and in fact, here's a coffee cup with SOB on it, Spunky Old Broad, and I've got a bunch of sayings on the back of them. So I have a store, which is uh, uh, HTTPS, and of course, the slash slash store.spunkyoldbroad.com. And then I have a free Facebook group for women over 50 called the Virtual SOB Club. So there's a variety of places people can find me. Awesome. Okay, great. I love your merchandise. I was looking at that and I love the quotes. You've got one quote um, and tell me why you picked this one. Don't chase your dreams, live your dreams. Isn't that funny? That's what I've got on my coffee cup right here. Yeah. Uh, because, because, yeah, because people are always, well, I'm going to. This is do it. Do it. Live your, don't chase it. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's because, you know, people say, oh, dream big, dream big. Like that's all you have to do to let things happen and fall in your lap. It'll just happen. And I always tell everybody you can dream big, but without a plan, 
to live your dreams, to create action, you're just living in an illusion. (laughs) Maybe I'm not as nice as you are. You know, but it's like everybody talks about the law of attraction. You know, if you, Mm -hmm. if you put it out there, it will come. No, if you put it out there and do some action steps, it might come, but it takes work to get things to come to you. It isn't, I mean, yeah, there are some people who are blessed and are lucky, but most of us have to work hard for what we get. I I agree. So you also have another quote that I really like, and I want to know what this means to you. You alone are enough. You have nothing to prove to anyone. Well, what it means is because you always have people, sometimes family, sometimes friends, sometimes strangers, telling you what you should do. But you know in your heart, in your gut, in your feeling, what you want to do and that's who you should listen to i agree and you know trying to live your life to prove something to somebody else really what it means is they get two lives and you get none exactly right arlene that's so clever yes you're right absolutely you're living somebody else and so many people do that women do that especially for their kids you know Mm -hmm. you always hear about the stage moms etc but they're doing it really for themselves, not so much for their kid. And when their kid, who then becomes a grown-up, says, hey, out of my way, you're not part of my life anymore. I mean, mom is crushed, and I can understand why. But there's got to be a healthy relationship there for it to work. Yeah. Um, my husband and I have coached robotics teams for like 13 years, starting with the elementary school, you know, seven, eight-year-olds, all the way up through high school. And both of my kids have been through that program. And I told you my, my baby just went off to college and I w- we talked about it. I was really looking forward to seeing what it would be like to coach a team without my child on it. And my son was like incensed. It's like, you're going to coach a robot team that I'm not on. It's like, well, yeah, cause that's what I love to do. And so it's either that or replace you with a pocket puppy. Um, and so anyway, yeah. So we kind of flipped the tables on that. He just, you know, kids can't imagine us having our own lives and our own friends and our own loves and, you know, coaching robotics is one of the things that I love to do that. What is robotics? You have to educate me. Well, um, there's an organization called FIRST, and I forget what it stands for. It's an acronym. But they start with the little kids building Legos and creating robots to solve problems. Um, And then they run a competition on a map that's about the size of a piece of plywood. And there's 80, 85 countries around the world that do the same competition. And every single robot is as different as every single kid. And they they work to teach people to think. Yeah, and think, and then, you know, the first time these kids figure out how to apply math and physics out of a textbook on a, you know, what they learn is flat from a piece of paper and apply it to a moving robot and program that robot to move that way, it's amazing to see that, that, that passion and, and connection in them. Anyway, that's, that's my passion. I love to do that. So that's why I'm waiting for COVID to go away so I can get back to my kids. <laughs> But then the high school kids build metal robots. They're big robots. So, yeah, so it's, it's an amazing program, and it teaches so much, and especially when we can get girls into the robotics program because girls 
want to be engineers, but sometimes, quite frankly, the boys bully them or push them out. And I want to be there saying, come on, girls, come on, girls, we can do this. Well, thank goodness they're doing really heavy emphasis on STEM programs for girls now. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're getting ready to wrap things up for today. But I want to put you on the hot seat for a few minutes, can I? Yeah, <laughs> this is my favorite part of the show. Um, I know it sounds mean, but it really is kind of fun. So my first hot seat question for you is, when you think back to when you bought that business and were going through growing that business and doing what you were doing, what is a mindset that you had that if you hadn't overcome or changed would have held you back or kept you from being successful? I think self-doubt, but I didn't have that. So self-doubt would have kept me back. Could I do this? Should I do this? What will happen if it doesn't work? Uh, What happens if it fails? What happens if I screw up? So yeah, but I didn't have that. I just knew I could do it. So did you ever, ever stop and think, what am I doing? You know? Oh yeah. Many times. (laughs) I mean, many times, every time I got a new idea, I would stop and think, should I or shouldn't I? And normally it was, I should, but yeah, lots of times that I would think, and should I really be doing this? Yeah. Cool. Okay. So did you ever have a problem? Because this is something I see a lot of, well, younger kids and older people who have a problem with comparing themselves with other people. Did that ever become a problem for you? Uh, Excuse my cat's head. Uh, (laughs) That's uh, life. Yes and no. Um, Yes, in the fact that I looked at other people and what they were doing and saying, gosh, I wish I could do that that way, or I wish I was as successful as they are, or uh, something like that. But it didn't get in my way of still doing. But I definitely, I mean, you'd have to be blind not to look at other people and what they were doing. The interesting thing to me was when I was in business for only two weeks, now remember, two weeks, 21, my biggest competitor presented me with a cease and desist order, which I didn't even know what that was, uh, because she thought I was going to take over the world. Now, nobody knew anything about me, and yet that was it. And when I was president of the Modeling Association of America, which was all across the country, Uh, one of the New York agencies thought I was going to take over New York and did what they could to blackball me. And I had no intentions of opening in New York. I would not live in New York City. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it was very interesting to me that people who were greater than I saw me as a threat. But you didn't let that stop you, though. No. No, I had, well, for the first case, I had to hire an attorney because I didn't even know what a cease and desist was. And then the other was, uh, no, actually, I created the first Miss Model pageant, uh, which was on the ABC Wide World of Entertainment. I had George Hamilton and Barbara McNair as my host and hostess. And then I sold that pageant to Eileen Ford. But uh, yeah, I created that. Yeah. Wow. So, So tell people what a cease and desist order is in case they don't know. Oh, this means you aren't doing business like this anymore. And so I had to completely restructure how I did business for three years because this particular thing 
had to do with residency and I hadn't been a resident for three years. So I had to operate a certain way for three years until I qualified uh, under the residency requirement to operate in the way that the law stated. So yeah, that's what I had to completely change my, my format. Wow, but it didn't stop you, so yay you. So the next question I have is, what is a mindset that, one mindset, I know I'm putting you on the spot, one mindset that you think has been the most powerful in moving you to the success you have today? I guess that I can do it. But believing in yourself. Yeah, I can do it. Yeah. So where did that come from? What's, where did you get that strength? I think from my mom, you know, uh, it's funny. My great nephew wrote a thing on Facebook the other day saying that my mom and Ruth Bader Ginsburg died on the same day. My mother died 10 years ago, but wow. they died on the same day. And she said, he said, my, my great grandma was of the same ilk that RBG was. She raised two daughters, my sister and I, who were told you can do anything you are, want to do. Don't let anything stop you. And both my sister and I have had successful careers. So it was my mom. That's awesome. Yeah, and mom. also having to face, always having to face. In other words, you know, I couldn't go out with the second boy that asked me. I had to go out with the first boy that asked me. I was a tap to be a Roxyette dancer in New York at 16. And she asked questions. She didn't like the answers and I did not go. And I was miserable. I didn't like my first year at college because I was not picked for something and my partner was. And I called home crying my eyes out. My mother said, I want to, I said, I want to leave this school. And my mother said, you have to stay a year, then you can transfer wherever you want to go. So it was whatever happened, I had to face it and deal with it and then move on. Wow. Great parenting. Great parenting. Um, we may have to do another show just talking about that. Um, so my final hot seat question is, if you could pick one word, one golden nugget, one piece of wisdom that would maybe potentially give a woman over 50 some enthusiasm or some ability to get unstuck, what would that be? We got about 30 seconds. Sorry. One word? One word? I can't Or one that. just sentence of what would Go that for it. Go, Go for, for it. it. There you go. So you've heard that from Gail Carson, Dr. Gail Carson, the, you know, the best SOB I've ever met. She is indeed a spunky old broad and she inspires me so much. So thank you, Gail, for your time here today. It's so much appreciated. Thank you for having me, Arlene. I appreciate that. Great, great conversation. So listeners, I'm going to leave you with this. Until next time, be mindful of the stories that you tell yourself about what is or is not possible for you. Don't let anybody else dictate your story because that's the power that only you can possess. You get to determine how to master your success on whatever terms that those things are. So if you're ready to write your story, you can reach me at bookwritingbusiness.com. Until next week, thank you very much for being here with Dr. Gail Carson and myself, Arlene Gale. Thank you for joining Mindset Meets Mastery with Arlene Gale the expert in helping people write business-building books. 
join us every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on BBS Radio when we'll talk more about how mindsets help or hinder success mastery. Please visit bookwritingbusiness.com to get more information on writing your professional or personal story.